Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The podcast. Welcome in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their Colorado locations or go online to MyGreenSolution.com. Either way, make sure you use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, I've got a bit of a hodgepodge of things to talk about. I want to talk, uh, take a couple of questions. Uh, I want to mention a few things about these minor league deals that the Rockies have signed some veteran players whose names you might know uh, to and give you a little bit of analysis on that and, and obviously give you my thoughts on how much that's really going to uh, factor in here. <laughs> Spoiler alert, not a lot, but there's some interesting things, particularly Elias Diaz. But I want to begin here with the thing that's probably most on everyone's mind as I'm recording this, as these words are coming out of my mouth, and that is uh, the arbitration situation. The Rockies avoided arbitration with four of the six players who were eligible and not with two of them. Uh, let's let's begin with the real quickly, because actually I'm going to have an article that you can read where I go into more details about the guys who avoided arbitration. So let, let's just mention very quickly, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, David Dahl, and Carlos Estevez all signed um, or, or reached agreements for very reasonable amounts. Uh, John Gray got the most at uh, five plus million dollars, about five and a half million dollars. Uh, Dahl and Freeland in the two and a half range, and then Estevez just over a million dollars. And and the basic takeaway from all of that is uh, that they're all just underneath what I think was most widely uh, predicted and speculated. And so you can see them all as slightly in favor of the organization. Uh, and like I said, if you want more in-depth analysis about each one of them individually, be out uh, on the lookout for an article I've got coming up on uh, the dnvr.com here very, very soon. But um, for now, I think more of the focus has actually been on one particular player that the Rockies have not yet reached an agreement with. And it's not Tony Walters. Uh, you know, I, I don't think people are freaking out about that. But there are these very small discrepancies. I believe the one with Trevor's story here is about 750 
$1,000. And I've said before and would say this again and probably will say this again, I hate arbitration specifically for this reason, because of what's going on uh, today. There's a lot of people frustrated, feeling like, well, the Rockies are just you know, playing hardball with Trevor Story. Now, it may get to that point, but we're not there yet. If you will recall, and actually this is a great question here on the Periscope from at DevK11, who says, I would really like to see Story extended instead of this actually going to arbitration. Any chance? And I will just say this to you. I think there's a higher chance that Trevor's story is extended than that this goes to arbitration for a number of reasons. First of all, the Rockies historically have just not gone to arbitration very often. It's a practice they tend to try to avoid for the same reason that most people are upset that it's a possibility. Most people fear it because of the very legitimate concern that sitting down across the table from the potential future of your franchise, especially depending on how all this Nolan Arenado stuff goes, and arguing to his face why you think he's not as good as you think he is, and doing it over a difference of $750,000, which to a major league organization is chump change, is not a good thing to do. That is not a good path to walk. I wholeheartedly agree with everyone who's saying this is not good. Uh, but if you will recall, a year ago, we were very much in this same situation with Nolan Arenado. A couple of years removed from potentially being a free agent and did not, and this exact same thing happened where some players were, you know, their deals were just immediately agreed upon and then a handful of other players were not, and Nolan Arenado was among those players. As it turned out, it's because they had moved on to negotiating a long-term contract for Nolan Arenado, which meant that it really didn't make sense anymore to be haggling and negotiating over the specific details of next year's money. One other thing that needs to be understood just in general here is that one reason why the Rockies wouldn't just come out right away immediately and say, just give Trevor whatever he wants, whatever he thinks he's worth. Uh, This has less to do. It's not just about, well, it's $750,000 for this next season. It also can push you over a threshold and how much you make now in arbitration also affects how much you can make in the future. So if they bump him up that 750K, if they're still doing the arbitration thing this time next year, that can mean a difference of about 2 million. And now you're not talking chump change. It's, it's still, you don't want to be, you know, uh, haggling with for Trevor's story, but 2 million isn't nothing anymore. Uh, that said, I don't think this is going to go to arbitration. I do think it's very likely that they meet in the middle. That's more often what happens. It could even be the case that the Rockies just go all the way to the number that Story wanted. I think that's even more likely uh, than that this goes to arbitration, but I do think it's possible. In fact, I do think this could be a signal just based on the team's behavior before and conversations, uh, quite frankly, that I've had with Jeff Breidich over the last year and a half and with other people around the organization. I know that they would really like to get an extension worked out 
with Trevor Story. And I'm also pretty sure that they would like to get an extension worked out with John Gray. And this smells more like that to me at this particular moment in time, that it's possible they're on the verge of getting something worked out there, in which case, you know, doing the whole arbitration thing for this year wouldn't make much sense. Either way, I suspect we will hear before too long that an agreement has been reached between the Rockies and Story, either for the 2020 season or, and I think this would be one of the few ways that the Rockies could salvage what has been an ad admittedly nightmarish offseason from a PR stand. Well, PR standpoint is not the right word, but from an image standpoint, there's been almost nothing for Rockies fans to externally get excited about, right? And I, and I totally understand that. I also don't think that's necessarily the most important, but we live in a world where it's everyday coverage from people like me and the news is just, even if it's not been especially believable at times, it's been 100% on the negative end of the spectrum for Colorado Rockies fans. And so while that's not the reason to do it, it would be nice, I think, for Rockies fans, for the organization, probably for Jeff Breidich to be able to take a breather if they came out in the next couple of weeks and announced that they've extended uh, Trevor Story or John Gray or both. And it would give us also a, a kind of sense of, of stability to the future of the organization while there's so much going on right now questioning what's going on potentially with the future of the organization. Beyond that, uh, there's not much to say on the arbitration thing. Uh, I, I also don't think they're going to go to arbitration with Tony Walters. The, w one of the ways you know that this right here, right now, is not an indication that the Rockies like are showing a lack of faith in Trevor's story is because Tony Walters is also on that list. And the Colorado Rockies unabashedly and in every way, maybe a little bit too much, love Tony Walters. And I think they've done pretty much everything they can to prove that that's the case, including not going out and getting a veteran catcher in this offseason. So, yeah, I, I, I really don't think that there's much to worry about here. But it is, of course, you've got to build in those caveats. Look, if they end up going to arbitration, this is bad. It's, bad. it's not a good thing to go to arbitration with Trevor Story. So, But they aren't yet. Um, this is one of those things, you know, it's like with the Nolan trade stuff. I've seen people say, and now they're trying to trade their star player. Or, and now they're going to arbitration. But no, 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 those things have not happened. Like, those things have definitely and, and most assuredly not happened at this point. And so that's, I think, worth keeping in mind. Hope everyone out there is having a nice off season, a nice winter, had a festive holiday, probably drinking some of those Breckenridge Brew Christmas ales. Uh, I'm really going to miss those things. I'm back into Colorado core mode though. If you like a nice crisp cider, you can't go wrong with Colorado core, but it's also good if you're a little bit more of a beer drinker. I want to get your feedback on those. Uh, I know the Strawberry Skies have been really popular around the office. Um, and, and the United in Orange has become a favorite of mine for those of you who are maybe a bit more into 
uh, sort of a weeder kind of, you know, a beer you're going to put an orange slice in and enjoy that way. And, and actually, you don't really need the orange slice. It kind of already tastes like it's got it in there. So give the United and Orange a try. They got a lot of cool uh, Broncos stuff on those too. So if you're a football fan, also another great beer to be drinking. But as long as you're drinking Breck Brew, why don't you come on down and have some at Sports Column on January 21st. My guy Manny Randawa and I are going to be hosting an event. We're going to be trying to, we're going to be watching along with everybody else to see whether or not Larry Walker is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll be talking with fans. We'll be having food. We'll be having beverage. Uh, maybe we'll do some trivia. We'll try to do some games to make it fun. I'll be doing a podcast reaction to whatever happens. And my guess is. Uh, that I'm going to be very upset and frustrated. So if you want to come see a grown man get very angry while drinking Breckenridge brew and trying not to cry in front of a group of strangers uh, over something that ultimately affects me in no way whatsoever, (laughs) come on down to Sports Column on January 21st. So I cannot for the life of me find uh, the person who sent me the question. So I apologize, and I promise you that I will, and I will get you a shout-out. I had it in front of me a moment ago. But somebody wanted to know about all of this stuff as it pertains to next offseason. And it might seem a little bit soon to be talking about next offseason. But here's why it's not. Because... Nolan Arenado's opt-out has become this lightning rod, talking point, sort of central figure in all the drama that's going on with the Rockies right now. Right, if you listen to and read the reports from the guys we've talked about, Morrissey, Passon, and Rosenthal, who are, are talking about this stuff, what you will notice the most is, oh no, the, the podcast is stopped. Well, I'll, I'll be able to pull some of the audio here off the Periscope before the next. That's kind of weird. I think my whole computer just crashed. Um, I'll bring it back online. Um, all right, where was I? Sorry, that just totally threw me off. My entire system crashed, and that's never happened to me. Um, all right, so Rosenthal, Morrissey, and Passan, when they're writing in their articles, they're basing a lot of their speculation on the fact that this opt-out hangs over the entire situation, right? And while that's true, I think sometimes it's, it's almost like internally getting mixed up as though it's at the end of this upcoming season, the 2020 season, and it's not, right? It's we all, I think we all know the fact that it is after the following season that Nolan Arenado could opt out after 2021. But that season is getting lost in the shuffle here, particularly the offseason before it, when a whole lot of stuff comes off of the Rockies' books, all the bad contracts that you're currently aware of on the right, unless you consider Charlie Blackman's contract to be a bad one. I do not. But all of the other contracts that you consider, that everyone considers bad, Davis, Shaw, McGee, 
Those all come off the books. Desmond doesn't come off the books, but it goes down to $8 million. So it becomes a far more reasonable thing, something you can pay to a guy who's just coming off the bench and, and hitting against lefties. And it actually is a reasonable amount. Um, and the Rockies can get creative with that. There are, of course, a ton of questions about what that means and a, and a number of caveats, not the least of which goes back to our earlier conversation and arbitration. John Gray and Trevor Story in particular are going to be able to start making, because of the way it's structured, much more money. And so that's going to take up a decent chunk of, of that. But the Rockies are going to have far more flexibility after next season regardless of what happens in the upcoming 2020 campaign. They have a very, very bad year. That still does not necessarily mean that Nolan Arenado is going to leave. He can't choose on his own. It, that, that, it would still put a lot of pressure on the Rockies at that point to consider trading him. But it would also potentially just put a lot of pressure on them to make all of the right moves in that offseason and still have potentially 162 games to convince Nolan to stay and do so without Davis, Shaw, McGee, or an especially prohibitive Desmond. And yes, Story Gray Dahl, hopefully Freeland, are all going to be more expensive. But I think sometimes people forget if Story Gray, Dahl, Freeland are all becoming more and more expensive, that's because they've performed very well. And if they're performing very well, that dramatically increases the chances that the Rockies are competitive next year. Right? That's part of the reason why Freeland is only making $2.875 million instead of probably 3 or $4 million that he could have made if he'd have followed up his 2018 campaign with another you know, top five and Cy Young, you'd be making a lot more money right now. But it is an element of the conversation that I think keeps getting forgotten. Uh, and it goes back to what I talked about on the last podcast about the bias not being hatred or a disrespect or whatever for the Rockies. It's just not considering their full situation. They're not, not taking into account what's going to happen for them a year from now because they're not really tied into the Rockies as closely in terms of thinking about what might happen a year from now. But they'll be in a really interesting situation, and so it is worth continuing to put that in this whole Nolan Arenado discussion because things can change very quickly. And everything that's financially frustrating right now won't be a problem in November. Jumped a while in time, but that's, that's a bit of relief. And the Rockies will have a new TV deal that kicks in. And we don't know the details of that yet. We don't know how much it will be. Unfortunately, again, the only thing we do know about it is the one sentence that Dick Montford has said, which is that it wasn't quite as much as he was hoping for. But hey, we're going to be on TV. Avalanche and Nuggets fans know that that's not a, just a given. I need to take a quick commercial break here, if for no other reason than to try to bring all of this back online and see if I can start another live chat 
answer some questions, and talk about some of those veteran guys the Rockies have brought into the organization and whether I think they'll have any impact or not. So stay tuned for all of that. Hey, you know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and so do our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group who are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. So I've got to apologize there for the sudden drop in audio quality and for anyone who was watching either the Facebook Live or the Periscope when my f whole situation suddenly completely crashed, as I mentioned there. Uh, so sorry about that. I've got everything up and running again. I still don't have any idea what happened. My best guess at this point is that it's related to the outlet my computer charger was plugged into. I don't understand technology sometimes. So I guess it's a good thing I only work for... Uh, you know, a digital company. Anyway, I wanted to finish out this episode of uh, the podcast talking about the three veteran ball players that the Colorado Rockies have brought in on minor league contracts here. Chris Owings and Kelby Tomlinson, who are middle infielders, uh, both in their late 20s. In fact, all of these players are in their late 20s, uh, 28 and 29 for Owings and Tomlinson, respectively. And then the 29-year-old catcher Elias Diaz, who is an interesting addition to the roster, potentially, in my mind. I'll get to him last because I have more thoughts on him than the others who you are all probably a little bit more familiar with, with both Owings and Tomlinson having spent uh, the majority, if not all of their careers here. It looks like Tomlinson spent a little bit of time with the Mariners, but not in the big leagues. So in the NL West, Owings has been with the Diamondbacks. Uh, again, a little bit, it looks like, with the Red Sox last year, but just in AAA. And Tomlinson has been with the Giants. And, well, I guess to put it just plainly, neither guy can hit. Um, these signings were very intriguing to me. They're two players who have almost the exact same profile, which is they're solid up-the-middle defenders, which is a good thing to have around just in case. In fact, solid up-the-middle defenders are great players to have for one game at a time. Of course, the problem is we play baseball three and four games at a time or homestands and road trips at a time, which are seven to, to ten games. And those, you know, over the course of that, a player like Owings or Tomlinson really isn't going to give you much. They're not going to give you anything at the plate. Um, you know, I thought Owings had a little bit more pop in his bat, but that's probably because... Roughly 90% of his career home runs have come against the Colorado Rockies. No, he, he did have one year in 2017 where he played 97 games and hit 12 home runs 
you know, had a decent, but still a career high 85 WRC plus. That's about what you're looking at with him. Same thing with Tomlinson. He got up into the mid nineties a couple of times with the giants based almost exclusively on contact. So Tomlinson's got no pop Uh, in his career. He has what? three home runs in 273 games played 687 plate appearances you're not looking for any kind of power out of kelby tomlinson but he does have a career 265 batting average not super high one year with the giants where he hit 292 and some limited playing time uh 52 games 120 innings so um you start to wonder a little bit here also about the potential for uh, splits and 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 you know platooning with a, a righty and a lefty middle infielder. But when I saw these two signings, my initial thought was this could be interesting if the Rockies come out and kind of all of their young, more highly touted, high ceiling infielder guys are all playing well. You're talking about Brandon Rogers, Garrett Hampson. Of course, Ryan McMahon, who's kind of cemented himself in there at second base. If all those guys are playing well, maybe you do consider a trade of one of them. And it would be entirely dependent on who out there is looking for what. If somebody really covets Brendan Rodgers and they don't care as much about the shoulder surgery and they want to give you their best prospect pitcher for him because he had such a great start to the season or you know we don't really know with him if if he's going to be around for spring training whatever it may be if you have these guys in Owings and Tomlinson you don't feel like if you trade those other players away if Story needs a day or McMahon needs a day or there is an injury or whatever it may be that you're going to take this huge step backwards no matter what you're not going to reproduce Trevor Story's offense at shortstop but what you can do is throw out a player like Chris Owings who even last year in 2019 when the guy could not hit the broadside of a barn he hit 139 uh, on base 209 he had a 13 WRC plus in 67 games last year I didn't know 13 WRC plus was possible but he did put up uh, some really solid defensive numbers according to fan graphs which managed to keep him at just a negative 0.8 as opposed to a 1.5 uh, fan graphs war uh, very positive defensive numbers up the middle so you're looking at him as a defensive replacement up the middle same thing with Kelby Tomlinson to add to kind of the floor of your roster should the Rockies have kind of the like all the injuries at one time the way they did last year instead of turning to rookies who might be a project both offensively and defensively now you've got a couple of veterans who at least defensively are going to play major league caliber baseball Um, but I don't think there's a high chance that either Owings or Tomlinson are much of a factor I would suspect we'll probably see one if not both of them at some point throughout the year that they will probably get added to the 40 man roster and serve as kind of insurance there, uh, especially with not knowing what Brendan Rogers is up to in terms of his health early on. But I don't expect either to get a lot of 
playing time unless the Rockies just have an inordinate number of injuries in 2020. The far more interesting addition here to me is Elias Diaz, who comes out of the Pirates organization. As I mentioned, he just turned 29. He'd been in the with the Pirates his entire career, and he's had an up-and-down career, both in terms of his offense and his defense. A couple of years ago, 2018 for Pittsburgh, easily... The, you know, the year you want to look at if you're looking for positive things here of what he could potentially bring in 82 games caught. He had 277 plate appearances. He hit 286. <laughs> You'll take that out of your catcher on base 339. Solid slug 452. So not a ton. That's 10 home runs. That's still more than what the Rockies have been getting out of their catcher for the last several seasons. But that's a 114 WRC plus. That's a catcher who's above average offensively, which is not something that the Rockies have had in quite some time. Fangraphs also liked his defense that year, saw him as above average. And so he was at a 1.8. That's essentially a two FWAR campaign. The Colorado Rockies would absolutely take a repeat of that. Uh, for this guy. I'll tell you the thing about the profile that really jumps out at me, though. He has a strikeout rate. He That year, he struck out 14.4% of the time. Over his career, it's 16.7. That will play at Coors Field. So this guy does appear to be a bit more of a slappy contact hitter. He only had two home runs this last season, 2019, he played over 100 games, 101 games, 332 plate appearances in Pittsburgh. Batting average came down quite a bit to 241. On base, only 296. Uh, roughly equal walk percent, though. He just wasn't hitting as much. But the slugging really dropped off to 307, so the WRC Plus plummeted down to 61. He was seen as negative offensively. He was seen as negative defensively. He put up a negative 1.5 FWAR campaign. That is not what the Colorado Rockies will be hoping for from him. Obviously, uh, they're, they're buying low on this guy, and they only brought him in on a minor league deal because of it. But again, he only struck out 16.9% of the time. If you put the ball in play with the kind of regularity he has uh, throughout his career and, and mostly throughout the minors as well, he's never struck out more than 20% of the time at any point in his career, uh, hovered mostly in the mid-teens. Uh, that's going to be an interesting factor at Coors Field. If he can get his head on straight, if he's really you know in the right place, he could take advantage of that ballpark for, you know, even if it's not, you know, the, the type of production that the advanced metrics are going to like as much, it still counts for actual production out there on the field. And it'll be more than what the Rockies have been getting out of the spot for a while. Of course, the big thing is going to be that he needs to shore it up on defense. He cannot be a defensive liability and get a decent amount of of playing time for the Rockies. It's just not going to make sense for them. We've talked about this a lot before. I do still see sometimes, 
you know, the, the wider audience looking in and not understanding why the Rockies don't target offense at catcher. They just really, really can't with the climate of catcher and the way that they have to play. And I do think that that's why, uh, you know, the, the most recent rumors are that they're in here on uh, Jonathan LaCroix. And LaCroix, as I've said from the very beginning, makes a ton of sense to me as somebody who can do all the defensive things you need. And then the offense is going to be, you know, whatever it is here and there. But I do think that offensively, there's an avenue here. If Diaz has the right attitude on defense and the Rockies don't get LaCroix and or it turns out that maybe Nunez still isn't quite ready and the plan was always to have Drew Butera be the AAA kind of veteran, help him with the young catchers and young pitchers situation. What I could see is Diaz being that weak side of the platoon backup that makes perfect sense because even last year when his numbers were down, he hit lefties at a 268 clip. And if you're going to have Tony Walters in there against righties, you could have a pretty good situation. You don't need him to catch 100 games like he did a year ago, and you can get the most out of him if Walters catches 100 games and Diaz catches 62. I do still think Nunez is going to factor in here. In fact, I, I think spring training is going to be a battle between the two of them for the backup catcher spot. But I'm very intrigued by this particular move here. And if Elias Diaz can regain whatever spark it was he had in 2018, again, not that long ago, you know, he's kind of in that Kyle Freeland camp. If he can get back to where he was there, uh, the Rockies could have themselves an asset on their hands here and exactly the type of move that's, you know, that lower fringy, not spending the big money, not going out in free agency and expecting guys to produce numbers that they did elsewhere here at Coors Field, but trying to find those players whose maybe particular skill set, the contact rate is going to play out there and maybe taking advantage of the fact they're coming off a tough year, that they're looking to bounce back. If they did their due diligence and trying to you know, see if this kid's attitude is in the right place and if he's going to be a decent fit with the pitchers, really could be something. And if not, well, then you turn right to Dom Nunez, who already has an excellent rapport with these pitchers, is a perfect clubhouse guy, and you don't have to worry about any of those things. And you still have Drew Butera there as the kind of fatherly figure for everybody else. I, I still don't think he's going to play much in Major League Baseball next season, again, without some injuries or, or, or what have you. Um, but yeah, let, let's keep our eyes on this, this Diaz fella when we get to spring training in particular, because if he can put up you know, solid numbers, especially just against lefties in terms of hitting, he and Walters could make for a perfect little one-two punch. It's going to be all contact hitting, but it's going to be tough outs at the bottom of the Rockies lineup. It really could elongate that lineup nicely and you know provide them with versatility uh, behind the plate that they haven't had in a little while. It's going to be very fascinating to see how that plays out. And I don't know, let me know on Twitter or email or whatever if you think that Tomlinson or Owings could be 
more of a factor. I really do think those guys are more about just bringing up the Rockies floor in terms of injuries. They had that horrible month early on last year where they, they had to throw out Josh Fuentes and Jonathan Daza, and I think they felt like those guys just weren't quite ready. And the fact that they just weren't ready to have major league plate appearances and defensive ability at the time really cost them. And so I think these Tomlinson and Owings and some of these other uh, oh, wasn't there an outfielder choice? Michael Choice. That's another guy that I think. Uh, sorry, I don't. I, I totally forgot about that until just right now. But that's another guy who's just sort of a a floor guy. He's about making sure that if you have to play somebody for two or three weeks while you're just waiting for your starter to get back, that maybe you're not overexposing a rookie and getting nothing from that guy. You're at least getting somebody with some big league experience who can grind out at bats, who can make all the plays you need them to make and isn't going to cost you games while you're waiting for your other players to come back. So that's my thought on those moves for now. I'll have plenty of more coming up on some future podcasts. Make sure you're following on social media and you're subscribed to the podcast and to the website that you head over to dnvrlocker.com, get some cool merchandise so you can continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.